Welcome to the Hope Unlimited Church podcast. We are so honored to connect with you, and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Amen. Not just a gift for you, but a gift for this city, a gift for this state. Amen. A gift for this generation, a gift for this time. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, y'all going to get fired up, ain't you? You're going you're to get fired up with me, won't you? All right. Praise God. I'm, fire, I'm fired up. So uh, just, you know, just, just roll with me. Roll with me. Um, very honored to be here this morning. Uh, man, it's great to see some, some good friends, some good brothers and sisters in the Lord. Um, you know, it's, um, <clears throat> it sounds weird, I'm sure. And this probably just probably validates what Pastor Casey just said. But in many respects, it feels like coming home when I come and, and we get the opportunity to come here. And um, I was not coming to speak originally. Um, don't let Pastor Casey fool you. Um, I was originally coming because I told the brother I just wanted to come and be amongst you. And um, I wanted to hear him preach the word. And I think my kids, uh, they would never tell me this, but they probably like to hear you preach more than they like to hear me preach. So, uh they get, uh, I guess they get the double portion. They got to hear you last night, and they get to hear me today. So um, I am glad to have my family here, my beautiful wife, Krista, and um, my, my family's expanding, praise God. The Lord told me that would happen, and uh, it's happening, and uh, so we're honored. Bree's going to be getting married to Austin here in another couple months, and so we're just excited about that and what God's doing. Amen. You all ready to hear the word? Yeah. <clears throat> Amen. Um, you're going to have to pray for the preacher because uh, I used to, like Pastor Casey was saying, I used to preach a good bit and uh, I would preach several sermons in, or several messages in one day and uh, several times a week and my voice was, was very much just acclimated to, uh, to speaking and um, now I do speak but I don't holler as much and uh, last night... Your pastor had me hollering so much, I just about lost my voice. Um, the guy sitting next to me last night during the service probably got bruises on his kneecaps from me grabbing a hold of him. He's, I guess he probably figured I was checking to see if he was goosey or not. You know, you ever heard that? My papa used to tell me that. He sit, I'd sit next to him. He'd say, you goosey, you goosey, and he squeezed my knee. Anyway, all right. <clears throat> Jesus is our champion today, Amen. He is our champion. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you today. Lord, I thank you for this house. God, I thank you that, Lord, you, Lord, I, I've heard it said so many times, churches have a, a vision, God. But, God, I thank you that your vision has this church. God, I thank you that you've arrested the hearts of these people. To see awakening and fire, God, in this city, in this region, God. Truly, you're doing something amazing in their lives. And truly, you're doing something amazing in this place, God. And Lord, you're turning something today. Even today, God, you're turning something. So God, may the word penetrate our hearts, God. And we walk out of this place May we be consumed with you and your vision and what you want for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Sorry, I'm a little bit passionate if you haven't heard me preach. So um, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me over to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. We're going to go into <clears throat> verse number, uh, we're going to start out, I believe, in verse number 43 this morning, John chapter 1. As I was preparing for this, um, this week, there, there's a lot of, you know, one of the things Pastor Casey said just a few moments ago was, you know, when, 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 the, when the minister comes up when the, to, to minister the word, um, you do your due diligence to pull it out. And my responsibility all week has been to just pour it in, pour it in, pour it in. 
And so this week, would uh, you know, I meditating at times during the week, I set aside times during the week to meditate specifically on this day. And even just last, uh, last night and even this morning, just I've just been filling up, filling up. There's so many things in my heart that God's given me. They all have the same thread. And we'll just see how much God, how far God takes us. Amen. You guys all right with that? All right. So let's, let's read the scripture here in John chapter 1, verse 43. It says, the next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, come, follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, we have found the very person that Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael, can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. And they approached, and as they approached, Jesus said, Now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How do you know about me, Nathanael asked. Watch this. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. And then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. And Jesus asked him, do you believe this just because I told you that I had seen you under the fig tree? You will seek greater things than this. And then he said, I tell you the truth. You will see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the son of man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. My goodness, that last part right there just blows me away. I got a whole message and I just want to stop right there. The one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. You know, we've been living in a crazy time here lately, haven't we? My goodness, what in the world is going on? Um, you know, I'm not currently in a pastoral, quote unquote, pastoral capacity where I'm necessarily pastoring a church, but I often pray and think about what pastors are going through during this season, this time, because these are uncharted waters in many ways for our generation. And for pastors today, it's very difficult because not only are you dealing with this pandemic that we call COVID, but you're also dealing with the political uprise that's going on in America. There's all this political tension that's going on. And now um, even the, the passing of uh, Ruth Ginsburg, this just, uh, I believe, yesterday or the day before, I can't remember, it was just, just the other day. The passing of her has now even brought this thing to a whole nother level. And then on top of that, you got all the social injustice that's being highlighted in our nation and all of the different things that are going on. And there's all kinds of turmoils going on all around us. And so can you only imagine uh, pastors and trying to navigate through this and navigate through mindsets and navigate through circumstances and situations and all of these things. So it's, we're, in, it, we're in, in, in crazy times right now. But the beautiful thing is, is that the scripture has already defined the way that we navigate situations like this. So it, it, it's diff, it, it, difficulty is not in trying to discover what it is that we should do. The difficulty is trying to navigate and understand the mindsets and the strongholds and things that need to be broken in people's lives so that they can see the truth of what it is that God's saying to the church in this day and this time. It, it, this reminds me of a season. I'm going somewhere. Just hang with me. It reminds me of a season I read about. Praise God, I'm, 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 not, that, I'm not old enough to have lived in this season but it reminds me much of the season of the 60s. So in the 60s, if, if, if you were alive during the 60s, praise God. You know, we, I listen to 60s music all the time. They, these guys laugh at me. 60s and 70s, I'm just like, man, I'm in there. You know, I'm in there. And so, you know, I'm, I'm constantly listening. But in the 60s, you had the Vietnam War that was starting to kick off. So you got this whole undertone. 550,000 troops would be committed 
by the end of 69. It was just like a, a climax of, of this war and, and all of these just beginning to, to break off. And then in the midst of that, John F. Kennedy is assassinated in Dallas. And then shortly after John F. Kennedy is assassinated in Dallas, who was the man that he was almost like the man of hope. Everybody was like, this man is going to take us. He's going to break a lot of these things. He's going to take us, take the nation where it needs to go. He's young, he's strong, he's vibrant, he understands, and he's moving. And then he gets assassinated. And then on the other side of that, there was a man named Malcolm X. And Malcolm X was, was a young African-American that had a voice that was leading the African-American culture and bringing them out of a lot of these civil rights. He was really on the, on the cusp of civil rights. And then, and, and then right, I mean, right after Kennedy, boom, Mal, Malcolm X gets killed. And then you have a man named Martin Luther King. So he comes along, civil rights, moving, moving, moving. He had this way about him that he could speak. He had an eloquence in his speech. He had a way to just communicate and he had a way to lead people and he led all of You see even today all these riots and all these things, but when Martin Luther King would lead, he would lead these peaceful protests and he would get the point across and he had this voice, he had this way about him and it was almost like he kept things on an even kill. It was like, it was like, man, there was just like this even kill. And then one day at the Lorraine Motel on April 4th, he stood out and was shot and killed. In that moment, that voice was shut off to the world. And when that voice was shut off to the world, it was like we went into this chaos. And all of these things started going. And it was just like it starts spinning even more, right? So you've got all of this going on. And then Bobby Kennedy goes on, comes in. Bobby Kennedy shot one day. He's the man that 10 years later would stand in the face of Jimmy Hoffa and do all of these different things. So you've got all of these things going on. And then right there in 1969, you have what's called Woodstock. Woodstock. It pops up. And we're like, what in the world? Where did Woodstock come from? Everybody's getting killed. All kinds of things are going on. All kinds of stuff is happening. And then here comes Woodstock in 1969. Well, Woodstock didn't start in, 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 in Woodstock. It actually started in San Francisco. It started in a place called Highton Ashbury. I don't know if many of you guys, some of you might be familiar with that. But that was where the hippie psychedelic movement really started spinning and creating these mindsets and creating they were they had they had bands and influential people that were preaching basically this whole uh, alternative lifestyle and all of these things and so all of this hops off right I promise I'm gonna preach about hope unlimited and where you're at you just hang in there with me some of y'all are like man I didn't know I was going to history class today <laughs> praise God you got to know your history before you can know your future sometimes right and so and so we've got all this that spins off and it was all about free, uh, free love and illicit drugs and all of these crazy things that were going on. And so at the great crescendo at the end of 1969, you have this, this whole ushering in of what we now know as a culture. It's a culture. And that culture today, it didn't go away. I don't know if you think that it was just a 60s culture, but that culture never went away. That culture actually, in some ways, became hidden over time as a subculture. The subculture, it, it, it started hiding up under baby boomers. It started hiding up under some of the other things that we've walked in, these other generational things and titles that we've walked into. But that hippie culture never died. It just continued in this culture, and it's just continuing that way. It's continuing to move in that direction. So it was, it's a subculture. So today, what I want you to understand is what's going on in America right now is not anything that has not been going on for generations. And I don't believe that it's the great device of the devil to expose all of this. I believe that there is a culture that has been running along and we ha it has been a subculture that we've not seen. And I believe more than anything, God is exposing that culture and he's exposing these things because he desires for the church to rise up. The things that trips me out about what's going on right now is the church is in awe about how messed up we are. 
How in the world are we so lost about what's going on in our world? Because we've become so disconnected from what is actually going on in our day to day that we've lost sight of the people that God's called us to reach. We've lost sight of the generational and the spiritual things that are going on in our atmosphere all around us every day. And so I believe that it's a clarion call to the church to wake up. And I believe that what we're seeing God do is amazing in the church and everybody else. Listen, there's so many people in the church that are dreading what's going on. Now, I'm not excited about it. I'm not like, woo, let's go see some more problems. But what I am saying is this, is God is shaking his church. God is shaking you and I today. And he's saying there's something greater in you than what you've seen. There's something greater in you than what you've been a part of. And now is the time for you to awaken. Now is the time for things in you to awaken in order for you to fulfill everything that I intend on the earth. There's one thing I know about your pastor is he's not here to patty cake you or play games with you. He didn't just thought it, he didn't just think, oh, it'd be a good idea just come to church this morning and find a fluffy word. When he preaches to you, he preaches to the very intent of your soul. Why? Because he's not content with seeing what's going on in our world and seeing what's going on in our lives and saying that's God. Because it's not. We've got to learn to walk in the fullness of who we are. So here in this scripture, I'm sorry, that's just my intro. If I, I think it might be my intro. I think I might be doing my intro. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Okay. So here we see Jesus come on the scene. Let me give you an, what Jesus was doing. Jesus was born. Wow. Hey, that, was, that right there is just amazing, isn't it? Jesus was born. Jesus was born in an era where King Herod had heard about the prophecy of the coming Messiah of the King of Israel. And so Herod spends all this time when Jesus is born trying to kill Jesus. He wanted to kill him. And so when Jesus is born, he's almost immediately after, I think it's about a couple of years, but Jesus is almost immediately ushered into Egypt. Okay, he's taken into Egypt. And when Jesus is taken into Egypt, Herod goes and kills every. First, every son that's younger than two years old, two years and younger, they're going to die. So he sends them out. So there's a, there's a genocide of two-year-old boys that takes place in the nation. Then on top of that, in the midst of all of this, you have people that are crying out for a king. The nation of Israel is crying out, we need a king We need a king. We need a king. You've got the oppression of the Roman army that's come in and locked down on that that area and that region, that territory. And so you've got all of this mixture going on. You've got... Uh, you've got young men being killed. You've got, um, you've got Roman oppression going on. You've got people crying out for a king. And then on top of that, you've got the fact that, no, that God had not spoken in somewhere around what they figured to be around 400 years. So the voice of God had not been heard. So you've got all this going on in Jesus' day, and then you've got John the Baptist in the wilderness, man, just challenging religious leaders. You're starting to catch what's going on. And so there's just, this, there's just this tension going. There's this tension going. And what I want to tell you is, is that in the midst of the tension are some of the greatest moments that God has ever performed. God is not concerned with the tension. God actually loves the tension and uses it for his ability to move his body. And so in the midst of all of this, this is going on. Well, here comes Jesus. And he starts walking into his ministry. And he starts accumulating these disciples. And then it says that one day in John chapter 1, it says one day he decides, he gets up and he goes to Galilee. I love Galilee because Galilee is rolling or uh, it, it, it has this connotation of rolling, right? So I like it because that's about where Jesus got his ministry rolling. It's in Galilee. And so he... 
He's getting this thing rolling. He's getting it going. And then the next thing you know, he, he runs, he, he gets Philip. He runs into Philip. He meets Philip. And then Philip starts following him, right? And then Philip says he's going to look for Nathaniel. And then when he goes to look for Nathaniel, he finds him under a fig tree. Now, there's a whole nother message in that. So he finds Nathaniel under a fig tree. Nathaniel means gift of God. And so Philip, the, the horse, basically, finds Nathaniel, the gift of God, under a fig tree. And he tells him, he says, come with me, man. I want you to meet the king of Israel. I want you to meet the Messiah. We've found him. His name is Jesus. He's the son of Joseph out of Nazareth. Watch this. Nazareth means branch. And so Nathaniel says, can anything good come from the branch? Can anything good come from the branch? Can anything good come from Nazareth? And so they get up and they go this way, man. Philip's like, bro, you know what, man? Just, just shut your yapper and come with me, right? And so they get to Jesus and when they get to Jesus, man, Jesus immediately, see what we thought this was a cordial um, meeting and it was cordial, but, a, but Jesus immediately assaulted the thoughts of Nathaniel. He assaulted his thoughts. So Jesus was, was a good man, don't get me wrong, and Jesus was a polite man, but when Jesus knew the intent of hearts and knew the intent of minds, he always went after it. If you watch, Jesus performed miracles when he knew what people were thinking. When he knew, when, if, if he knew, he says, it'd say this, he'd say, it'd say he knew their faith. He could see their faith. He could perceive their faith. And when he would perceive it, he, would, he perceived that the religious leaders were upset. And so watch. So he gets, when Nathaniel comes to him, the first thing Jesus does is says, Now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. Nathaniel's like, whoa, hold on a minute. Whoa, whoa, hold on, hold on. I don't, and you know, Nathaniel's probably thinking in the back of his mind, he probably didn't hear what I said about him under the fig tree a while ago, right? And so then, then the scripture goes down and he says, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. The older translations say, I saw you. I saw you under the fig tree. That Greek translation, it, it means to see, to visualize, but it also means to perceive and to understand. And so many commentators believe this. Now, I, I'm not a, you know, I'm, I'm not some great theologian and, and I really don't, you know, I don't know, but I've read so many different things about this scripture. But the belief is, is that when Jesus looked at him and said, I could see you under the, the fig tree, number one, it was obviously where their believing was a distance. And so for him to be able to see him under the fig tree, it was almost like I saw you under the fig tree and Nathaniel's like looking around going, bro, how could you see me under the fig tree? Like there's a pretty good way. So practically it was a good ways away. But also, it was almost as though Jesus peered into his soul and said, I understand what you were thinking up under that fig tree before Philip came to you. And so the, the, some of the talk is, is that, that Philip could have potentially, because Jesus said you're a man of integrity, it was the fact that even under that fig tree, you were crying out to God for a king, for a Messiah, for a savior. And so it was the thought pattern of Nathaniel that Jesus emphasized. And he says, I saw you under that fig tree. And then Nathaniel was like, whoa, hold on a minute. You couldn't see me under that fig tree. How could you see me? And he looks at Jesus and Jesus looking him intently in the eye like I saw you and I understand what you were thinking. And then Nathaniel says this. He says, truly you are. Rabbi, truly you are. And he says, then Jesus begins to challenge the rest of the thought. Not only did I know what you were thinking, but then I heard what you said. I know, what you're, I know that you are praying and crying out but I also know that you don't think I'm the one. But now just because I said that you are truly a son of Israel and you had integrity and I saw what you were thinking on a fig tree, now you think that I'm the Messiah. And so now Jesus challenges the other part of that thought of Nathaniel. And so in that, Nathaniel becomes a devout follower of Jesus because Jesus challenged his thinking pattern. 
So what does this have to do with us today? In order for a culture to be created, in order for a culture to truly take its place, the thought patterns of us as a collective people have to be right. In this, I'm not going to go all super kooky on you and highly Pentecostal and all hyper and all of that stuff on you, but I just want, I want, you, I just want to preface this a little bit. When Paul would write in the scriptures, Ephesians chapter 4, he says this. He, he talks about renew the spirit of your mind. You, we, we, we quote oftentimes, renew your mind by the washing of the word, which is another great scripture. But Paul, when he went to the Ephesians, he said this. He says, when he wrote the letter, he said this. He said, renew the spirit of your mind. What that means is renew the attitudes and the behaviors and the very spirit of the thing that's feeding your mind. See, you, you, we're constantly washing, listen to me and don't, don't misunderstand me. We're constantly washing our mind with the word, but there are times in your life when you've got to go back and ask yourself, why do I keep thinking these things? Because if you keep thinking these things, what it is is there's a spirit on that that's feeding you. It's feeding your attitude. It's feeding your behavior. It's feeding your mindset. And so you've got to renew where it's coming from. You've got to take a collection of what's happening in my mind and why do I continually find myself washing myself in this place? And it's a lot of times it's because the attitude or the behavior comes from something that is not of God. And so in order for us to create a culture, we've got to ask ourselves, what is feeding my mind? What spirit am I listening to? What voice do I have in my head that's getting all of the attention? See, when I first started preaching and tried to learn how to be a counselor, and I learned I wasn't a counselor at all. That was, that was what, you know, it's like, oh, you know, you got the mantle of pastor, you're a counselor, you're a preacher, you're, you know, whatever. I, anyway, I could go way down that road. Yes, Lord, I come back. I digress. But when I, I remember that I used to get told, man, that if somebody's hearing voices in their head, they're demon possessed. And for a long time, I was just like, hey, I hear voices. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> Lord, I knew I was supposed to fast last night, but I had that extra cheeseburger, you know. I don't think I'm going to cast this one out today. But as I began to mature and walk in greater understanding of who I am and who we are, I learned that you hear voices all the time. There's you. Then there's your mind. Then there's the spirit. There's the spirit of God. There's the spirit of the end. There's all kinds of things that are going on in your head, even right now. There are all kinds of, you're listening to me, and there are all kinds of things that are shooting all around inside of your head. That's what Ephesians chapter 4, he talks about the manifold wisdom of God is, is that you can speak out of your mouth what's going on in the spiritual realm. You see, it, it just, it, it throws the spiritual realm into a big tailspin, a tissy, because you actually know what's being, what's going on. It's like they're like going, nah, 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 you know, behind your back. And then you just turn around and be like, come on, I saw you. And they're like, what? Hold on. You know, your kids ever do that with you? You know, like, especially when they talk under their breath, like, huh, you, you're like, hey, whatever, whatever. And then they're like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm dumb. I didn't hear that. I didn't see that, you know. So the fact is, is that there is a spiritual realm that's going on around you, and it's trying to entertain your thoughts. I'm going somewhere. It's trying to entertain your thoughts because the spirit cannot enter into this world fully and have its manifest way unless it comes through man. Psalms 115. It says this, that the heavens belong to God and he's given the earth to man. What that means is, is that God has given you authority in this earth through Jesus Christ. And so you have the ability to shut things down that try to come in the spirit. And you have the ability to open things up when they come into the spirit. And what we've done, listen to me now, what we've done in the church is we have literally shut off the spirit of God because he makes us uncomfortable. 
we shut him down because he's going to make our church service too long and people don't want to sit. It amazes me how I can sit through a two and a half hour movie and it never affect me. But if the preacher preaches longer than 45 minutes, I'm trying to find me another church because he's long-winded. It amazes me the things that we'll submit our bodies and our minds to, but when it comes to the things of God, we shut it down. And so what God desires is for us to be obedient. Listen, listen, listen to the spirit of God and what he's saying. And so when you hear a pastor come up and say, there's been a shift and the culture is changing, what he's saying is, is we're going back to the very mindset and the thoughts that we have about how we do church and how we serve God and what we do with our very lives day in and day out. Because when you come in here on Sunday morning, it is a direct reflection of what we've done all week long. If I can't come in here and enter in and worship God, then that means I probably ignored him all week for the most part. I'm not telling you didn't do your little prayer over your hash brown at McDonald's or you didn't, you know, do your prayer at the table with your kids or do the little, you know, higher calling devotion. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, have you got in God's face today? Have you been in God's business We're waiting for God to get in our business and he's been asking us to get in his for years. And then we wonder why he doesn't show up in our business. Why? Because he doesn't invited you to his business. And if we've been doing his business, we wouldn't have to worry about our business. And so what, what, the, the, the point here is this, is that Jesus, the first thing that he would do is he would come and he would challenge the mindset of people, challenge the mindset of the region. This church, Hope Unlimited, has been called. Now, I'm not saying it's the only church, you know, but, you know, it's like we're the first church by God, you know. No. I had a church in, um, I won't say the city because people go look it up. There's a church in North Carolina that, all I hear for years whenever we go to a convention is, we're the first church, uh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you the dead church too. Because all you worried about is being first. I don't care when I got here. I'm just glad I'm here. I don't, hey, listen, I hope there are more, but if they're not, that's okay. Because I know what God's told me to do. Amen. So this house has called, been called not to shift the atmosphere, just shift the atmosphere in a room. You are literally fighting against principalities and powers over the region. Okay. You're not just fighting against. See, when I say that, you automatically think about wickedness and darkness. And that's true. You are, but watch this. You are also wrestling against in the spirit religious mindsets that have been cast on people for generations. And in order for you to break those things, you have to have a sustained mindset towards God. And so when the pastor's up here preaching about a culture You have to understand that what he's trying to do is get you into the mindset that you have to sustain something continually over and over. A a culture isn't created overnight. A culture is created by setting an atmosphere. An atmosphere is set so when you come in here, you know worship's going to be off the chain. Okay, When you come in, there's an expectancy that we're going in. There's an expectancy that there's going to be some passion applied. There's some expectancy that there's going to be, if you didn't know this, if you're here today for the first time, there's an expectancy that there's going to be some momentum, there's going to be some charismata, there's going to be some movement, there's going to be some, you know, some, some you know, swaying or rocking or maybe even some jumping and some, you know, slam. No, I'm not, just kidding. We ain't going there, right? I don't know. We might. I see Pastor Casey kick a wall down. I'm just going to, I'm, I'm just going to be like, all right, yeah. no but there is a culture listen there's a culture that's set and what a lot of you come in I'm not listen just just bear with me okay what happens a lot of times 
is we come into something and we see it. We see the expression. You just see the expression. And you're just like, okay. And then after a couple weeks or months, you find yourself raising your hand. You're just like, next thing you know, you find yourself rocking, right? You don't fully know what you're doing. You're just doing it because you don't want to stand out, right? And so you're just kind of like, you're just doing it, right? Well, what you're doing is you're becoming involved in the atmosphere. It's deliberate. It's deliberate to set the atmosphere. Why? Because an atmosphere sustained over a long period of time creates a climate. And once you set that atmosphere and that atmosphere is sustained, there's an expectancy. Every time we come in, we're going after God. We come in, we're going after God. We come in, we're going after God. Watch this. Then you start realizing after over time, you go, you know what? I don't have to come in to go after God. When I go home, I'm going to go after God. And when I, whenever I'm in my car, I'm going after God. Whenever I'm here, I'm going after God. I'm going after God. And so you begin to sustain this atmosphere in your life all the time. And what happens is, is you set a climate. And that climate sets the temperature of the room. The climate sets the temperature of everything around you. I don't get concerned when I walk into rooms if they're cold. Now, when I'm talking about cold, I'm not talking about freezing cold. I don't get concerned when I walk into a church or when I walk walk into my workplace or I walk in anywhere else. I don't get overly concerned with the atmosphere in the room because I know that I have the authority to set the atmosphere. Because the culture that I live in trumps the atmosphere. You think I'm playing? Watch this. You take somebody from the Bahamas that speaks, you know, yeah, my, you know, whatever. I, I can't do that. I will start making a fool out of myself. I used to work in the prison. I was, uh, I, I was in a religious program in the prison. I'd go in to teach. And there was this one class I used to teach. It was called Nonspecific Faith, and it was guys of all different religions, different faiths. You think that you, you, know, you can preach to Christians. When you go ahead and try to preach to people that don't even believe there's a God, that's real fun. You really learn how to do some things. But there was this guy that was in that class. I'll never forget. He was Rasta. He had dreads. had the, you know, the, the uh, Rasta beanie and all this. He was not concerned with changing his, the way that he lived his life. Listen to me. He was not concerned about taking his dreads out or taking off the Rasta colors or even his accent or the way that he carried himself throughout the day. Why? Because he lived in a culture that was not of this place. So when you walk into a place where the atmosphere is not set the way that God would have it to be set, the culture you live in every day should trump that. You can change the atmosphere because culture trumps atmosphere. But in order to get to that place of culture, you've got to get through climate. So what's happening here? What's happening here is that there is an atmosphere that's being set. And I would dare to say that you're probably in a climate just by listening to what I'm hearing. That you have set a climate. In other words, there's a certain temperature in this place. And the temperature is continuing to raise. And what temperature means is there's an expectancy. Okay. If you listen, if you're exercising and you're running, let's say you run. I love to run. Okay. I know, you know, you probably can't tell that, but I do love to run. And I run like, I don't know when I say I like to run, I don't like just run like down the block. Okay. So like, I like to run long distance. Like really, I like to run until like, I can't run anymore. It's just something inside of me just drives me. And um, the problem with me is, is that I'm one of those guys that I either go all in or I don't go at all, okay? And so <clears throat> when, when I go all in, I don't know when to stop sometimes. I don't, have, I don't, I don't necessarily have boundaries. And, uh, you know, so, like, I would run until I was about to pass out. Next thing you know, I'm popping these little chews they told me to pop, you know? And, um, you know, I was, real, I was real crazy because I was on keto and trying to run 10 and 15 miles, And if you've ever tried that, don't do it, okay? If you haven't tried it, don't do it. If you have, welcome to the club. So I I ran, I think, one day about eight miles or so, and then I was like, I mean, I felt terrible that night. I felt terrible the next day, and I was just like, what in the world is wrong with me? And somebody asked me, they were like, 
well, what are you eating? And I'm like, well, man, I'm still doing keto. And they were like, well, which one are you trying to do? You trying to lose weight or you trying to run? You know, and I went, I don't know. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, think about it. But here, here, here's my point is I would run and run and run. And I didn't have any boundaries. And so I, I, I've messed my knee up. So I can't, I can't run right now. And there's nothing more frustrating for me than that I can't run because it, it's like a, it's, it's a relief for me. It's a way that, that I kind of just get it out. And so now I've been going to the gym. I go to the gym and I just, you know, handle the weights and cuss myself out all morning. They're like, oh, Lord, pass. Listen, I'm just kidding. I don't cuss myself out. But there's a frustration there. You say, why are you telling me this? The reason why I'm telling you this is because I want you to understand that once you get into a mindset of what it is that you're supposed to be doing, then it just goes that way. And watch, if you're running and you stop sweating, then something's wrong. Stop, okay? Because you are getting ready to go into heat stroke before too long. And I've seen that before too. And it is not nice. When, it, when, when your body quits perfusing, then what's happened is, is that you have succumbed to the climate. And so you have to have this expectancy that something's going to happen in the climate. Watch. People in Florida don't put their shorts up when they wake up in the morning and it's cold. Okay, it, right now, when people in, in the, the lower portions of Florida, they wake up this morning, it's like in the 60s, they don't go, well, fall's coming, let's go get the sweaters out. No, why? Because there's a sustained climate. Antarctica, you don't walk out in board shorts. Okay, maybe you do. You don't walk out in board shorts, right, and a tank top in Antarctica. You've got you've to dress according to the climate. And so what, we, what God desires for us in the spirit is to dress according to the climate. He gave you, an, he gave you uh, in, uh, instructions on how to dress for the climate, how to prepare yourself for your daily activity, how to go about the things every day. And so what, when, when, when we talk about culture, you've got to understand that you have to submit yourself to a climate every day, and it's not the climate of out here in Knoxville, Tennessee. It's the climate of the kingdom of God. Let the pressure, listen, I'm not telling you to but what I'm saying is live with an understanding that there is an expectancy in the kingdom of God today. Live with an expectancy that you're going to accomplish something for the kingdom. Live with an expectancy that you're going to do something for God today. Live with an expectancy that you've got divine appointments. Live with an expectancy that a prophetic word is going to come out of your mouth at some point. Live with an expectancy that God's going to allow you to touch somebody that doesn't know him. We've got to open our eyes to see what's going on around us. Because if we don't, the world will go to hell. And all we'll be looking for is that day when we walk on the, on the streets of gold. It amazes me. When I start learning about other religions, it amazes me how much we've been duped. And if you're getting offended, hey, man, just pray about it. I don't get to preach all the time, all right? But it amazes me, most religions, their belief is to occupy and consume. They're not looking for the sweet by and by. They desire to occupy, to infiltrate, to consume. Christianity, a little bit of pressure. Oh, they don't have ketchup for my hamburger today. Lord, I wish you'd just take me on to heaven. Marriage supper of the lamb. I'll have ketchup there, God. We're just ready to go. We're ready to go. I tell people if they'd read the book, and I know y'all are reading it, they're going to be real disappointed because you might go up there, but you're coming right back here. It's like, I can't wait to get to heaven. They got a mansion for me. Oh, well, praise God. I mean, I know what Jesus said in the word, but the word also says there'll be a new heaven and there'll be a new earth. And guess what? You're going to worship him on the new earth. Lord Jesus, help us. I'm not going to get there, Kate. I'll just let that, I'll let you have that, brother. Praise God. I'm just going to, if I messed it up for you, I'm sorry. I just keep going with it, right? Our responsibility is not to look. It, it, listen, it's that hope, yes. It's that faith, yes. It's all of those things, yes, yes, yes. 
But the fact is, is that we have a responsibility right now to set the culture of God right where we're at. Right where we're at. Amen? Amen. So let me see here. The la- uh, let me, let me, what, what time are we at? Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. Y'all been listening to me for a minute, ain't you? <clears throat> let me get here and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shut it down. Turn with me over to 2 Kings real quick. Real quick. 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 6. She say, all, all I'm doing, I'm really just giving you an intro. I got about 15 sermons that come behind this one, but you can buy those on DVD. I'm just kidding. They'll be out on the tape. No, I'm just kidding. They're not. What, what I desire to do today, my, my, what I desire is I truly believe that this is a house that's been set apart. I believe it's been set apart. I believe it with all of my heart because I see where it was birthed from. I see the heart of the pastors that lead it. And I understand what God's desiring to do in the earth right now. I see what God's, I say I understand. I see what God's trying to do in the earth. And so in 2 Kings chapter 6, I'm just going to use, I'm just going to reference this just to, just to, to drive a point. And I hate doing that. I, I say I hate. I don't like just taking a scripture and just boom, just throw it out there. So this is not something I like to do. I'd rather just preach the context of the scripture. But I want you to hear something. In 2 Kings chapter 6, let's look in verse 13. This is Elisha. The the king of Syria is talking to one of his... um, one of his, his counselors, one of his guys, and basically saying every time we set up camp and we try to go against Israel, they know where we are. And so he's like, he, the king says this. He says, evidently, I got a traitor amongst me. He's like, man, in order for them to know those intimate details about me and about us, he's like, somebody's telling them something. And so the advisor tells him, says, no, king, it's, you, don't have, you don't have a traitor amongst you. He said, they have a prophet. And he said, this prophet, every time he, he, watch this, he says, the prophet hears what you're saying in your bedroom at night. The prophet, God has given him the ability to hear the intimate things about your mind. The things that go on inside of your mind and your head, he says, the prophet's given him the ability. The, God's given the prophet the ability to do that, and he tells the nation of Israel. So then the king says, let's go find this prophet and seize him. And so, This is where we come into the story. And the advisor says, uh, so the king says in 13, go and find where he is. And the king commanded, so I can send troops to seize him. And and the report came back that Elisha is at Dothan. So one night the king of Aram sent a great army and many chariots and horses to surround the city. And when the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning, he went outside and there were troops, horses, chariots everywhere. Oh, sir. What will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. And then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. And so then it goes on and basically, man, Elisha prays for him to be blinded and they're blinded. Then he leads them to Samaria and instead of killing all of them, they create, they have a big feast and send them on their way. Man, it's crazy, right? The point that I want to make here is this, is that word Dothan. Elisha was at Dothan. And that word Dothan, it can mean well or two cisterns. It also means decree. And in order for us to set the culture the way that God would have us to set the culture in our lives, in our church, in our cities, in our regions, you have to understand that the enemy attacks you at Dothan. The enemy attacks you at the well. Watch this. The enemy attacks you at the decree. Some of y'all are going to get it tomorrow. The well is your heart. The decree is the things that you are speaking out of your mouth. 
And so there is, there's declare and there's decree and all of that stuff, right? And so the enemy tries to shut you down in that place. Because if he can shut you down at your heart and he can shut you down at what you know God has said about you and your life and your region and your church and all of those things, then he can keep you from doing what it is that God wants you to do. And so what I sensed, I wasn't even, I, I, the Lord dropped this in me on the way. You can ask my wife. I was like, I told her, I was like, look up Elisha and Gehazi and uh, open their eyes, Right. And then I said, just read it to me. So we're riding down the road, you know, and she's reading the scripture to me. And I'm like, that's, that's, that's where it's at. I was like, where was he at? She said, Dothan. I was like, there it is, right there, right there. So today, what, what I want to say, I got so much more, I'm just going to have to just let it, let it ride. But today, what I want us to know, and listen, I'm not into all these, the enemy's doing this and the enemy's doing that and, what we do is we take all of that off of ourselves and the fact that our own mind sometimes and our own wants and desires actually create more problems than the enemy does for your life. We've done, we've done real good at super spiritualizing everything, okay? Some, some people say, you know, it's like, why'd you do that? Well, the devil made me do it. Why don't you just sometimes say, you know what? I really wanted to do that, you know? It's like, I just... <laughs> Can I tell on myself for just a second and I'll shut up? This is at work one day. Uh, this is when I was actually, you know, I was working. And uh, Tom used to have to work with me, bless his heart. And uh, Richard Wilson and those guys. You like that bless his heart. That's some of that, that good stuff. I'm living in Alabama too long. <clears throat> and I had gotten really upset <clears throat> about situation that was going on. And I had all the managers in and it, I think it, I say it was all the managers. It, it wasn't all of them. It, it, had to, it was one or two in there, and I believe Richard was in there. And I was so upset, man, and I just started going off. I mean, it was like ah, going off, man, you know. I can't even remember all what I said. I can guarantee something was derogatory at one point. <laughs> and when I got done, I looked over at Richard. He hadn't been working with me but for a couple of weeks, and that brother was like, you know, man of God, you know, and I looked at him, I said, I know Richard, it's wrong, man, but it sure felt good. Just admitting, and had, the devil didn't make me do that. I did it, and I deliberately did it. Praise God, I did. But see, the fact that I can admit it admitting the fact that it's not the devil and it's not this and it's not that. It's the fact that that was me. I can readily deal with it a whole lot faster than blaming it on somebody else. And so what the reason why I'm saying all of this is don't allow the enemy to use scare tactics and attack you at your will. Don't allow him to take the very decrees that God has placed over your life. See, some of us, including me, some of us tend to disqualify ourselves because we think about what we've already done. Okay. I already know I'm not qualified apart from God. Stop trying to, we just sang that song, there's no more striving, right? I don't have to argue about whether or not I'm qualified. I'm not. Agree with your adversary quickly. Devil, you know what? I'm a dirty, rotten scoundrel. Praise, you know. In my flesh, I am. But with God, God uses me. He, it doesn't excuse sin. Hate sin. It does not excuse it. I'm not telling you to go out and sin and do whatever God wants you to do, too. I'm not telling you. If you're hearing that, you're wrong. What I'm telling you is this. Stop fighting with God about how worthy you are to carry the message of God. Stop wrestling with God about how worthy you are to worship him. You, you think that you're being humble by doing that, but really pride is eating you alive. You've got to let it go. One of the things I've learned as a man is like, I don't like to look uncool. Okay? 
Like, I was standing in the mirror this morning. I don't like these. I love these shoes, but I don't like the way they look with these pants, right? It's like Chris was like standing. She said, what, baby? You look good. I'm like, man, I got like two foot leg. And my legs are like, you know? And I look at my son. He's like Stretch Armstrong. Like, God, what happened? How come? Has that come out of me, God? Like, what, what happened? Why didn't I get the long legs so my, you know, jeans look good on me? They don't, Casey. Just don't happen, brother. Where was I going? <laughs> now, the point that I make is don't wrestle with God about what you think you should be doing based upon what your life has looked like. If I know anything about God, I would guarantee to say that most of us in this room are about some of the most jacked up individuals that you've probably ever met. You've had your share of mistakes. You've had your share of failures. You've had your share of problems. Some you created, some were forced on you. But the fact is, is you're still here. And you're here because God says, I want to use you to shake a nation. I want to use you to change a culture. If y'all just stand with me. There's another scripture. I'm shutting up. There's another scripture. It's in Matthew. I believe it's Matthew chapter 9 and Jesus goes across. He gets in the boat, goes across and he gets there. They bring a paralyzed man to him and he gets there. And it says this, that Jesus, knowing their faith, Jesus, the older translation said, Jesus seeing their faith. Jesus seeing their faith. He looks at the man, the paralyzed man laying down and he says, your sins are forgiven. So he knows these people's faith and then the other side of him are religious people. And he turns so he hears the faith of people and sees their faith. And then on the other side is the religious people and he immediately turns after he says, your sins are forgiven. He turns and looks at them and he says, what, do you think it's harder for me to forgive a man of his sins or to tell him to get up and walk? And he says, but I tell you today that the son of man has come. And he turns around and he says, rise up take your mat and go home. And it says the man jumped up leaping and went home. The point that I make today is this, is that it doesn't matter what mindset you might have, God will break it in order for his glory to come. But you have to allow him to break that mindset. And there's nothing more that I want in my life and in your life is to see God break the mindsets. Amen, amen going to pray over you today. I don't know how you guys are doing altar, man, how that's all working out. You know, we got that, you know, we got the death lock going on in America, so we just are in the world, so we just got to be careful, whatever that is. Can I just pray over you and then I'm going to let pastor come and take it. Heavenly Father, we just come to you. And I thank you for each one in this room today. God, I truly believe, Lord, that you are trying to shift the culture in the world. God, my point at the beginning is that you want to use us to shift the culture. And if we keep listening to vying voices, God, we'll miss yours. (laughs) And God, I don't want to miss your voice. I don't want to miss what you're saying. I don't want to miss your thoughts, God. So, Lord, I pray today that, God, we would have an ear to hear. Lord, an eye to see what you desire. God, I pray that each and every one of us would take that time with you. Lord, to renew the spirit of our mind. That we might know your thoughts. That we might know what you desire of us. And, Lord God, may we be a people on fire. A people that is consumed by your glory. A people that desires you 
more than we desire anything else in our lives. And God, if it means we don't get to watch our favorite TV show sometimes, so be it, God. If that means that we don't get to hang out all the time like we used to, so be it, God. If that means, God, that we might be ridiculed at some point or persecuted at some point, so be it, God. Lord, if we go from being popular to unpopular, so be it, God. Lord, we want to sustain the atmosphere of heaven that the culture of the kingdom of God might come down and rest upon us. Lord, that everywhere we go, God, we might see the manifestation of your glory. Lord, everywhere we are, God, may we see the manifestation of your glory. May the kingdom of God come in our life. Jesus, Jesus, may the kingdom come. Lord, we submit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit hopeunlimited.church slash give. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church.